You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Five Star Zone with Rico Beer and Howard Griffin. Welcome to another edition of the Five Star Zone. Rico Beard, Howard Griffith on the other side. And, and Howard, man, I, I mean, we look back at the games last week, and I think a lot of them kind of went the way that we thought that they were going to go. Ohio State struggled for a little bit, but thank God the Iowa defense scored up the score a touchdown for them so it wouldn't look as bad. But it was just kind of funny watching Ohio State I don't know. It's, it's, it's something there. Um, it was like last year. They put up a lot of points. But, Howard, what is it about this team that just makes me think that they're, they're setting themselves up for a big loss somewhere down the line? Well, I think you can look at it that way. And one of the things that happened is, is you know, we, we look at this Ohio State team a lot different than we look at a lot of teams. And, you know, Michigan is now starting to move into that that area where, you know, we're, we're expecting them to compete for championships, so True. they're going to need to pick out. Uh, I think one of the things you had, you see, you know, you saw Stroud make some 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 poor decisions early. You saw them have to settle for field goals. Um, so we expect this Ohio State team to just, you know, go out and just dominate everybody they play. And do right. Everything right. But I, I think we're probably setting ourselves up because that's the expectation that we have for them when we look through the roster. Um, but there's going to be some struggles, and I think that's part of it. And I think really having some of these struggles will help them down the line if they've been in some of these games where, you know, even though they scored a bunch of points, a lot of people will say they won ugly and pulled away. But, you know, not having to settle for field goals is not something that, that we see this team being able to do, particularly when they have great field position. Now, should we can be concerned about the Ohio State rushing attack because they got a lot of good running backs, but yeah. you know they're they're not they're not the Ohio State. When I look at them, yeah, because you're right, we compare Ohio State to Ohio State, and I think about the teams like the Zeke Elliotts, and now they were just able to to pound the rock, and and this team has the backs, but for some reason they they just seem like more of a, of a finesse team. Yeah, I wouldn't say they're a finesse team right now. I think you could have made that argument last year that they were more of a finesse team when they played against teams that that arguably had the same caliber of talent that they had on their roster uh, because that's what happened when they got pushed around, shoved around when they played Michigan. Um, But it also, when you have a quarterback that's running the football, I think we get accustomed to that as well because that opens up, to me, that opens up a lot of the run game. Uh, when you have a quarterback that's a threat to run. CJ's a threat to run, but that's not what he's going to do. He's going to turn around and hand it off to Henderson or Williams, and that's where it needs to be. But they've got to play better. But I think it's more about what this uh, Iowa team was able to do up front. I mean, this is a sound football team. They're going to play you tough. They're going to be gap sound. They're not going to make many mistakes. 
and they're going to force you to be perfect on the offensive side. And I think that's one of the things we saw uh, when we watched that game last week is that I was able to, you know, cloud up some stuff, make some things uh, difficult for them. Even in the even in pass protection, they were able to come up with some basic stunts that were able to get to Ohio State. And, you know, is it concerning? Yes, yeah, concerning when you look at this team trying to win a national title. But I think when you look inside of the Big Ten, it, they're still arguably the best team that's out there when you look at top to bottom to the roster as far as the roster is concerned. Uh, Michigan's not far away at all by any stretch of imagination, I believe. But there are going to be some situations, some games where, you know, they're not going to look like they can go out and win a national title. It's not going to be easy every week. And that's, I think that's what we saw uh, with them playing Iowa last week, particularly early in the game. Right, and I, I like to say Iowa's defense, they have showed up. The offense, not so yeah. much, man. I, look, you played in college. You you played in the pros. Yeah. How do you keep the locker room from getting angry and becoming us versus them, offense versus defense, where one side is clearly representing and the other side is so lacking that, you know, like for Iowa, the defense has been carrying this team all year. They have to be saying, guys, can you help us out? Can you just help a brother out? Can you do something? Can you, can you, you score? Can, right. can you, do you know, I, I think I'll say this. Yeah, I, I've been on some teams where the defense has been a little bit of a stroke. Um you know, they struggled and the offense had to go out and, you know, carry their weight. But I remember when I was in Illinois, our offense was struggled time at times and our defense, you know, was really carrying the day, similar to what we watch Iowa do. But I think it's really incumbent on, on the players uh, and the coaches really to be able to set that tempo and say, look, guys, the only thing we can do is control what we do on our side of the football. And human nature, you know, there are going to be some shots taken uh, during, I'd say, when you, you had practice and you say, hey, man, y'all need to get it together. But you can't let that fester. You know, guys are going to, you know, rag on one another, the offense, whether the offense and defense going back and forth. But then when it comes down to game time, you have to remember that you're still all on the same page. And, you know, you, you can't have any chinks in the armor when you're going out and playing. But, you know, we'd all be foolish to think that, that there isn't some frustration uh, from the defensive side. Uh, when the offense is not going out and, and making the plays and, and vice versa when it's the other way around as well. But it, it, you have to have a mature team. You have to have a team that, that's been through it. And, and remember, this is a, Iowa's defense has, has played lights out, you know, right. really, since since we've been covering them here at, at the Big Ten Networks, you know, since I can remember. So offensively, it's always been, they've always been, you know, second fiddle to Iowa's defense. And so I think, you know, sort of the culture, uh, expects that defense to be the leader. And I think people get accustomed to, well, it's going to take a little while for the offense to get around to it, but they're still winning football games. Yeah, and and uh, and then you look at Penn State. Penn State bounced back like I, I, we all thought that they would. They had the whiteout thing going on there, 45-17. You know, I, I, I thought for the Nittany Lions – I guess this coming up week is going to show me exactly can you bounce back? Can can you? Because what Michigan did to them was a little embarrassing because they didn't show up. Michigan did. Now you get Ohio State at home. It's going to be under the lights. I'm interested to see because they can still play the you know the, the fly in the ointment that they beat the Buckeyes and now the Big Ten kind of goes into a spiral with uh, catapulting Michigan to that mm-hmm. number one spot. But then again, Michigan has to take on Michigan State a team mm-hmm. that just flat out does not like them and kind of feels that disrespect every year. 
mm-hmm. you know, we're going to get into these games a little bit more later on in, in the week. But, Howard, how do you see these two games shaping up? You know, as you got Ohio State taking on, going to Happy Valley, and, and you got Michigan State going to, to the big house, how do they not look ahead? Because you got to think, man, in their mind, Ohio State and Michigan, is, is they're already in the final week of the Big Ten contemplating how are we going to beat that other team. Yeah, and the challenge, though, is that, you know, I think you talk to anybody in that, that Ohio State locker room or, you know, any of the you know, coaches on that coaching staff, they know it's not easy. Is it never easy when they have to go, go into state college to play a football game, uh, particularly in prime time? So they understand that, and they, they've seen some of their toughest games there. The challenge becomes this. To me, in my mind, when I look at this Penn State team, I think that they're built, at least what I've seen to this point, uh, and this is really because of what I saw versus Michigan. This is a team that wants to is well suited to play a team that wants to you know spread you out, throw the ball all over the lot. But where they had their issues in the line of scrimmage is when they just when their opponent decided to play big boy football like Michigan did, and they were thoroughly dominated on you know you used embarrassing. It's probably worse than that, right? Yeah. Uh, when you think about what happened in that game. So Ohio State's going to want to go out and, and try to duplicate that. I mean, you know, they're going to have to throw it sometimes, and you know you've got the weapons outside. But they're, I think they're going to try to run it, and if they can't stop it, then you know it's going to be a long day for that Penn State team. But it's going to come down to the line of scrimmage uh, for Penn State being able to step up. You know, one of the matchups that I can't wait to see, though, is Joey Porter Jr. Wow, against Marvin Harrison Jr. That's going to be a heck of a matchup in a battle going back and forth. Both are long, rangy athletes. I think both, I, well, there's no doubt in my mind, both of them are first-round draft picks. It just depends upon how high in the draft. Joey Porter Jr. probably elect to come out this year, and he's a talented, long arm, uh, plays good leverage, really has great makeup speed. When he gets in trouble, uh, he makes a uh, wrong step, false step. He has the ability to twist his hips and get back vertical and, and really still be able to play the route. So I, I think that's going to be a heck of a matchup. It uh, is, but now, Howard, if I'm, Ohio St- if I'm Ohio State, you know, if I'm Ryan Day, I'm, I'm probably, I'm going to do kind of what Alabama did last year in the semifinal game going up against Sauce Gardner. They just didn't throw the ball to his side of the field. So it may mean that, you know what, hey, Marvin, you're not going to see any passes. You can get a lot of exercise today. You're just going to be running sprints all the way down. I need you to tire him out. We got a plenty of other receivers that we can go to. Why tempt fate? Just acknowledge the fact that this kid is good, but we're not going to throw to your side. It's like the old Deion Sanders thing. We're going to throw right. to the other side of the field. Yeah, yeah that makes all the sense in the world, Right. Right. Those are competitors over there. Ah, and I can tell you, if they line up against one another, you know, everybody, each one of those receivers is going to have an opportunity to line up against Joey Porter Jr. Every one of them will have that chance, except for probably the guys that line up in the slot. But if you're outside, they're going to get an opportunity. And, you know, I think just based on some of the coverages, some of the reads, you know, they trust that the, you know, the pass game, and they're going to go after them. I don't think it's going to be one of those things where – they're going to shy away from it. And Porter knows they're going to come at him and he's going to have chances to make plays. But, you know, he's a, he's both of those guys are really all the wide receivers, obviously at Ohio state, but Porter is a, is an unbelievable player. And and the rest of the guys in the secondary are really good as well. So that's going to be a great matchup. But again, 
I think it comes down to to how they're able to run the ball. You're right. They didn't run it very effectively. They better be able to run it this time if they want to get a win in Happy Valley. See, that's what I'm saying because I'm, I'm just used to Ohio State's team that that can flip the script. And as you know, as, you, as things start getting colder in the Big Ten and the bad weather starts kicking in, it, yeah, it's nice that you can sit there and throw the ball for 400 yards, but now mm-hmm. the wind and everything else is against you. You right. got to be able to pound this thing out. You got to be able to run that ball. And 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 uh, you know what? I'm going to ask you as a running back, Howard. Who's the best running back in the Big Ten? Woo! He's right there in Ann Arbor. Is he? Blake Corn. Blake Corn. To me, he's the best. He's the best right now uh, in the Big Ten. Uh, listen, the guys that uh, when you talk about Brian Williams and and Henderson at Ohio State. Those two guys are they're really good as well. Um, you know, you look at Chase Brown at Illinois, but this dude, Blake, has just got, you know, in my opinion, just has that second gear, uh, another step, another stage that, that he's playing at. He does a great job of playing without the football, carrying out face, blocking, right. uh, and understanding, you know, what's happening in the game. And, you know, Chase isn't far behind him. I just think that Blake has such a huge upside. Uh, continues that. I don't think he's reached his ceiling at all. Uh, he's a guy that we're going to you know, be seeing on Sundays uh, making a lot of splash plays and, and being very dynamic. Yeah, see, I, I, I like Blake. The thing I like about Blake is even when it seems like you have him for a loss or, you know what, he's only going to gain one yard, somehow he takes that one yard and turns yeah. it into six. Yeah. You're like, well, how did that happen? You had two <laughs> people on him. So, yeah, he's very low, very compact he is able to just keep driving his legs, and because it's like when Donovan uh, Edwards is in the game, he's mm-hmm. he's more dangerous in space. But yeah. Blake could just—you're right—he hits that hole. But the one that I like, yeah. I like Chase Brown, and I think the yeah. only reason why people don't talk about Chase Brown is because we don't see Illinois on TV. Yeah. You know, Fox doesn't travel with Illinois in every game and put them on the big noon kickoff. But man, it's like, and and I look at it. D- it's more him, whereas Blake Corm has a lot of, te- you know, he's got Ronnie Bell. He's got other receivers out there to kind of to, to, to share, you know, some of that load, man. I, I look at Chase Brown, and I'm like, man, this guy, to me, is kind of just doing it by himself, putting this Illinois team on his back, a surprise team. I think a team that's, mm-hmm. with, with Purdue losing, I think all they got to do is just win their games. Mm-hmm. They don't, oh, I don't, they play Michigan. They gotta play Michigan. That'll be a tough one, but you know, but, but we'll, we'll find out just where Illinois is compared to what they need to do as far as you know winning the West. Uh, I don't think anybody is gonna gonna come on here now or, or say that Illinois' roster is where uh, Michigan's roster is right now. But as you know, it's about you know how how excited and how fundamentally sound can you play a team like Michigan in hopes that they would make mistakes. But you know, it, it's. Listen, Chase, is a, he, he is unbelievable. He, he really is. He's playing with a veteran offensive line. I think if you wanted to if you wanted to say, okay, well, yeah, he's better than than, than uh, Blake, you would say, well, Blake's got arguably, you know, the best offensive yeah, line. Yeah, he does. Football. Yeah, he does. You know, so, I mean, he's, that's, that's part of it. But, listen, I, I can remember the days when people were talking about, well, Emmitt has the best offensive line in the pros when, when he was at Dallas and he put up huge numbers, and but that got him to the Hall of Fame. They didn't take away from what he was able to do just because he had a great offensive line. When oh, we talk me. about Chase, he's done, yeah. he has done, he's taken his game since being at LA, walking in the door 
to, I don't think anybody has, you know, gotten better as an individual player. And he's done that. He's patient. He understands what this game is about. He's really gotten better uh, catching the ball out of the backfield. They'll send him on wheel routes on a consistent basis uh, to, to get him involved. But what Illinois has to be able to do is they've got to find somebody to take the weight off or some of the pressure off of him. Exactly. Because right now he's carrying he's carrying, carrying the ball way too much when you look at it, you know, from, from our perspective. They've got to find another guy that's going to be healthy. They've got some other guys, but they've been nicked up and Chase has had to do it all. But um, they need to make sure that he's ready for the stretch. But he's done a great job of taking care of his body and, and doing those things to, to stay healthy. So, We'll just see how that continues to work out. Yeah, I'm with you, man. They do need to take some of that load off. Now, Howard, I mean, look, every year we all kind of look at the Big Ten West and and we we shrug our shoulders because you know the title's going to come out in the East. It it was like, you know, back in the day when when you played, it was like in the NFL, you always knew that the winner of the Cowboys 49er game was going to win the Super Bowl. The AFC was just kind of... You know what? They were going to be the bridesmaid. Who gets to take that beat down that year? Spin the wheel. Yeah. That's what it feels like with the with the with the Big Ten West. Yeah. Do do we just have to abandon divisions? I mean, what's the best way? Because I've often said this, and people mocked it, but I think mm-hmm. they mocked it for the wrong thing because of the names, leaders, and legends. Mm-hmm. But that was an equitable split of the talent. I mm-hmm. thought leaders and legends was actually, you know what? This is fair because you had uh, Penn State and you had moved teams around so that, you know, it wasn't just this East was loaded and the West was just playing catch up. Can we go back to that? Do we just eliminate divisions? I mean, do we do some type of a a pod system if if the uh, West Coast teams come in? What has to happen? Because this is not fun. I mean, the teams make it there. Northwestern gave it a shot when I think the closest was probably Iowa when uh, Iowa ended up losing to Michigan State in 2015. But other than that, man, the West teams really don't seem like they stand a chance. Yeah, it's it's a struggle. But but I I would say this. So I guess it's two different ideas or 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 questions to me. Um, what is best for I guess the fan and also those teams that are trying to to have an opportunity to get to, uh, you know, the Big Ten championship game. But I think as a conference, you go to this 12-team playoff, you want your best teams to have an opportunity. And, and that's why I'm not saying that it's happening, but it appears that it's not going to be divisions. It's going to be you know, one and two are the ones that best. The, the teams with the, the the two teams with the best records are going to be the teams that are playing in the championship game down the line. Um, I, because I think people are, are looking at it from well, how do we make sure that we secure our spots in um, you know the the, the uh, playoffs, and, and that becomes very important. So I think the way the conference is going to look at this, and, you know, it's all about money. Let's be honest. Um, they're going to look at uh, how do you figure out how to get the most teams in there. If you're going to take some conference champion, then you're going to have some at large at large bids. I mean, so you're you're going to have some times where you know you can sit there and say SC is humming. You got Ohio State, SC, Michigan, <coughs> all fighting for that national 
right. that, that those spots in the playoffs. And I guess they can set it up to where you, you know, you can take those best players, the best teams. And I think that's why there was some, there was some hesitation about getting away from, okay, if you're a conference champion, you're automatically in. And for the most part, that's still going to stay, at least that's the way it looks. Right. But there are going to be some other people that are going to have that chance to get in now that you go, you move to the 12 teams and you'll have the team that, that loses. You had that team in third place could all still have viable opportunities. So I, I think the, the short answer is I think they're going to get away from it, but they're going to make sure each conference is going to make sure that they have the best opportunity to get the most teams into the the playoffs, the, at least the new playoffs that come along here pretty soon. Yeah, because I, I got to think that, yeah, because when it goes to the 12-team playoff, this is what the, the college football needed because I'm hoping, and this is just my hopes and prayers, it means nothing, you play better non-conference games because I think that can be the difference maker. Now, mm-hmm. I know it can go the other way and you load up on as many cupcakes as possible to pad that number, but to me... If you go out there and you play even just one game where you add a Texas, you add a, a UCLA, you well, I guess they would be in the Big Ten, but you you you, uh-huh. you add a team, you know, a Oklahoma, a West Virginia, Texas A and M, a Texas Tech type of thing, where you could look back and say we played this Power Five team, you know, we did play some directional schools too, but we went on the road and we went into Texas and played TCU, or we played them at a neutral spot. In yeah. my opinion. That helps you out when it comes time to the beauty contest because, let's face mm-hmm. it, at the end of the year, it's going to be a beauty contest. Which schedule looks the best? Okay, you didn't win your conference. Now you're going to have a whole bunch of teams with one and two losses trying to figure out, well, we're better than this team. What's better than actually going out there and playing somebody and saying, hey, yeah, but you know what? We challenged it. We went out and we played Miami. And we beat Miami. Or, you know what, we even played Miami, but we lost to Miami, and that's one of our two losses. I think that that should be held as a positive. Kind of take that from, because that's what I love about college basketball, the short pants, as you call them. They reward you for actually getting off your butt and going and playing somebody rather than just stacking up easy victories. Yeah. Well, I think the the other challenge that that we haven't touched on is the committee itself. Who's watching Right. Who's actually watching these games? And you talk about, OK, well, are, are you watching? Uh, do, do you know how to watch a video? Right? Uh, <laughs> Man, do you, do don't get me you... started on this committee. This yeah. committee. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? 
Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. God, I hope it's not the same one for the regular college football playoffs because, Howard, maybe it's just me. It's a sliding scale. They move the goalposts every week, whereas this week it's about scheduling. This week mm-hmm. it's about the quality of that victory. And it's like, well, wait, but last week you said that didn't matter, and now this week it's the most important thing. Yeah, you know, one of the things I find challenging, and, uh, you know, my, my partner, Jerry DiNardo, has been on this soapbox for, for many years. How is it, you know, you're running an athletic department. You're running an athletic department. Mm-hmm. How do you have time to watch film? <laughs> well, hey, yeah, right. It's like the coach's poll. It's like the coach's poll. Like, let's just call it what it is. It's intern in the athletic department's poll because you're watching your game. You're watching the opposing team's game and maybe that upcoming game. That's it. That's all the film you're watching. You're right. You're an, you're an athletic director. You're not sitting there saying, okay, Pac-12 after dark. Let's go ahead and hit that TV and get the popcorn going. You, you don't. You're absolutely right. It, this is all still based off of name recognition mm-hmm. and, and the stuff that you did 20, 30 years ago. I, I've often said that that, to me, is the biggest downfall of college football because if you're not a blue blood yeah. You got to go above and beyond just to get accepted. Whereas a blue, a Texas can stub their toe and people say, oh, it's Texas. Michigan, oh, it's Michigan. Ohio State, oh, Notre Dame. Yeah. But if, if you're Oklahoma State, good luck with that. If, if, right. if, if you're Illinois, well, well you got to go above and beyond that. If you're, if you're not in that blue blood category, that's the one thing I've always disliked about college football because it's it's still based off of, of what you did 20, 30 years ago. And that's so crazy right now, particularly with as many games uh, as you can see right now. Uh, it, it's crazy to think that, that you have to be you know, a blue blood to have an opportunity to, to be in it. But, you know, this is what, you know, again, it goes back to the committee and, you know, how do you have time to evaluate all these teams? And, and I do understand that they split it up and they have regions and, you're watching this, and you, then you all come together. But I just—I'm not saying that they don't know what they're doing. I'm just saying it seems to me that it's a very difficult test if you—if your main job is running an athletic department or running a company. Right. Uh, you, know, you know, so it looks like you know Ty Willingham's the only coach that's there that's, that's on the committee, and and I think the first year, you know, it, it, 
the first year, it, it really, you know, has worked out. It worked out really well because they had coaches that were there. But I think when when they figure out just how much actually goes into this, but but see, but see, here's the here's the thing. Here's the catch twenty two about that first year, Howard. A lot of people forget Ohio State wins it, mm-hmm. and but Ohio State should not have even been in there. TCU got robbed that year, and I think well, it, it, I think it was because it, they were TCU and they were not Ohio State. So Ohio State got that last spot, and TCU didn't. I, I well, I see it a little different. I blame the commissioner for that one. Uh, because he had an opportunity to name one of those teams a champion. That was the oh, year they yeah. said, hey, you know, we're, not, we're just going to have the, the best teams and, you know, we'll see what happens. But neither was named a champion. No, you're right. So then it went back to, well, you know, I thought you had, you know, win championships and that was a big part of it and, what, you know, the eye test and that sort of thing. And, you know, that's not how it ultimately played out. Now, it worked out well for Ohio State, but I think it would have been different had they gone with the champion uh, and, uh, you know, one of those teams, CCU, or, or would have been able to be in. But, you know, again, I, I sit to look at the commissioner uh, at that one because they had an opportunity to name a champion uh, or put them in a situation where they would be able to name. Instead of trying to appease both sides, mm-hmm. I think you, they, weren't, they weren't looking at, okay, we got to get the person in. And, you know, being a conference champion that first, first year was, was a big part of, you know what? What it meant to uh, to go out and compete for a championship or be in that fourteen playoff? No, I got you. And and see, for me, let's face it. This is all about money. This is a billion dollar business. So, mm-hmm. in my opinion, man, it's it's simple. And I swear to God, sometimes I wish I could just get the ear and be like, guys, you really overthinking this. You want to do something fair? Here's what you need to do. Either you get some former coaches. You could even go with members of the media. But you know what? You pay them enough to take a one-year sabbatical or at least for the next couple of months. Your job, Howard, you're, mm-hmm. we're going to pay you handsomely. We, you, you could pay, get a seven-member committee, pay each of them I don't, just a hundred grand. Let's just use round numbers. Mm-hmm. You're making billions of dollars. That's not even a million dollars, okay? That's a drop in the bucket. Your job, all you do is watch college football from Tuesday from action all the way to the final game late night in the Pac-12 on Saturday, and you do grading. And that's it. That's all you do. And to me, you, you sit up there with a multiple screen set up at your house or your crib or wherever you go, and now I, those seven people or those nine people, that I trust them more than, as you say, the athletic director who, let's face it, you're traveling half the time, you're shaking hands and kissing babies the other half, and, yeah, hey, who won that game? Oh, okay, well, I'll make sure I put that team down as my number one team. Just get every – and you can rotate this. It's almost like the Heisman voters except for you're rotating it. You mm-hmm. pick a select group of people, and your job for this college football season, you, you know, you, you may not be writing, you may not be on TV, but you're going to get paid enough that you can take a, yeah. a sabbatical for a season and really come up with the true – 12 teams and so that you can get a true champion in my opinion. Yeah, you know, I think that there there are are enough um call them, you know, former coaches. Yeah. You know, they could be former athletic directors. They, you know, I, but I think with you're right from the standpoint of that's all they should do. Yeah, that's it. And I would expand that even further 
to saying you guys, or I shouldn't say you guys, but I should say this committee is responsible from from the time the season ends, once spring ball starts, to the end of the college football season. They are always, they're always, they've gone to campus. They've been around these teams. They've seen them. So you, you're paying them probably, you're paying more than a hundred grand or whatever it is, but still you, they would then have a real true, uh, way of, of, uh, really evaluating yeah. teams to be able to do it. And I think you just, you know, cause I think you're, you're absolutely right doing it that way, but they need to be able to focus on nothing else. But these football teams that are playing, because that's how much money, the money that is involved mm-hmm. it is just just stupid crazy. Right. Why wouldn't you put your committee in a situation where they had all the resources they needed to be able to go out and truly evaluate these teams without having to worry about a budget or an athletic department or without having to worry about you know, well, what do I have to say or having to, to excuse yourself from, from different um, meetings or votes because exactly. your team or your yeah, your team is involved. Yeah, yeah. You don't have to recuse yourself. You don't have, you can sit there because you know what? I'm not a part of any team right now. Let's look at this thing. I watch this team because you're right. If all of a sudden your team is, is one of those team French teams, you got to leave the meeting. So now I got to sit here and convince you, Howard, make sure yep. you vote for me because X, Y, and Z. And now I'm sitting outside the room praying to God that you didn't cave and you are actually going to vote for me. Yeah, let them sit in the room. You're right. There's a ton of ex-coaches. There are a ton of people out there that I think they, they, that know the game. Dedicate yep. them. Get an odd number so that you always have a tiebreaker. But to mm-hmm. me... That's the best way of doing this. The way they're doing it now, I, I don't know. I've often, I just thought the NCAA loves controversy because they, they embrace it. Every morning, it seems like they wake up and choose violence. Yeah, it's, it, yeah, it's crazy. But I, I'll say this as well. I, I believe, without getting too deep into weeds about it, that when they had Condoleezza Rice on the committee, if you talk to people that were on that committee with her, they would tell you that she was a valuable member of the committee because she looked at the games from a different aspect. She still was evaluating, mm-hmm. but she brought something different that maybe they didn't see. So I, I would say you would need, it would probably be good to have a non-quote-unquote football person in there that may be doing something else. But again, you have to be able to, to draw them in and get them to want to be a part of it. But I think there's there's a lot of value in someone who may not be as in deep in the woods because they may look at it from a different perspective. And again, I'll say this. She was a huge factor uh, in, in why the committee did some things that they did that burst you around because she was a valuable member of that committee. And, you know, just, you know, the reports and some of the stories that have come out really show that you know she was on top of it and. You know, she, she, first of all, she loves the game. Right. That, that's she does. Thing. Right. And so her value to that committee was, uh, I, I think, priceless for, for that year. Hey, man, they, they could ask me. I would gladly, I would consider it my honor and duty to go out there and get <laughs> things done, man. I, that's, just, that's just how I see it because yeah. I, I just, they have an opportunity to really capitalize on this and I just don't want to see them drop the ball like they did initially with the 14 playoff because 
I saw, like, man, this is going to be a problem because it's it's going to end up being the same teams over and over again. And I think that you're starting to get that fatigue where it's like, yeah, you could always pencil three teams in. There's Alabama, they're in. Clemson, they're in. And then either Georgia, Alabama, and then a fourth team that's just the lamb being led to slaughter. Right. Yeah. And, and that, that's what that's what happened. And you talk about regionalizing the game with those four teams. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's hard to get excited. Still, yeah, they're probably still on four, five, six teams that have legitimate shots every year to win it. But being able to open it up, you know, gets more, gets the fan base involved. Right. I think it, it continues to, uh, you know, get teams excited. And, and listen, I, I think one of the, when I watch college basketball, I think one of the brilliant things is when you get to the, when you get into the tournament, right, you know, you get to the Elite Eight, you get to the Sweet 16, that's like a badge of honor. It is. You, you can make it to the Elite Eight, right, and get ran out the gym, but people will still say, hey, they were an Elite Eight team, they were really good, they did that. They, but no, no, it, it, but it, once again, no, it, it depends on the school that you're at, because if you're Duke and you're losing the Elite Eight, you're a bum. It's like, if you're Alabama and you lose in the semifinals, it's a lost year. We weren't that good, folks. And you're like, mm-hmm. actually, you really were. But, yeah, you're right. I, I, I look at a team like Michigan State made it to the playoffs, and that team celebrated. Yeah. They got blanked. They didn't score, but, yeah, you still look at that team like that team was good. So you're right. Yeah. And and it also, I've, I've said this, and then, and then I'll let you go. But, yeah, because if you by expanding the playoffs, the only good thing that I really like about it is now if you lose a game – if if Ohio State lose, or if Michigan loses this weekend, they still have something to play for. Whereas now, man, if if you lose, it's almost like man. What, now what do we do? I mean, when you see the defensive lineman from Oklahoma State knowing, well, I can't go to the college football playoffs, he opts out the season and just says, okay. "I'm gonna go ahead and get ready for my pro career." This yeah. will this will keep people interested. This will keep kids interested. You'll have less kids opting out of bowl games because they're going to still want to play because there's still something there for them to win. Yeah, yeah, I think that's an important part when you still have a chance to to win a championship. And you know, it, it's tough right now. I mean, you you lose gaming and you're out. Particularly, you take a team like Notre Dame. Uh, you know, when they drop one, they drop two. Obviously, they dropped three this year, but I mean, they're out of it. And so the trick becomes how do you keep you know these guys motivated to to want to still be a part of the team. And want to still go out and, and try to figure it out. And I think, you know, that's that. It's always going to be tough. Um, but when you when there's nothing to play for, it also it eliminates if, if you're that star player. It eliminates a lot of questions that you'll have to deal with when it comes to whether it's your pro days, right. whether it's uh, questions you're going to have to answer. And I'm not saying that, you know, he or she's not making the wrong decision. Right. I, I'm not saying that, but. I think you're right. The more teams you have, they're involved, you know, all the way to the end. You're going to have more guys that want to compete and have an opportunity to do something special. And I think that's what allows the 12-team playoff was going to allow more teams and more fans to still be engaged throughout the entire season, but particularly at the end uh, when they may have an opportunity to host a game, mm-hmm. uh, a playoff game at home, which I still think that's one of the, the big factors to me that, that really is going to give yeah. – a lot of programs and fan bases an opportunity to travel 
um, to to other venues, whether you're you know you're a northern school going south, whether you're an eastern school going west, it allows you to see some of those matchups that you normally wouldn't see, and you get to you know participate as a as a fan in some of these historic venues uh, that are out there that are around college athletics. Howard, I lied. I, I do have one question because you're you're close to it, and and I'm, you don't have to go on and on, but what happened in Notre Dame this year? I I is it just Freeman coming in, new coach, players learning a new system? Is it injuries? Like what? I I mean, they're losing games where I'm like, wait, the Irish lost. I mean, Stanford comes like, what uh, is going on? Yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a combination of things. I, I think one thing that uh, Notre Dame probably has missed on um, when you look at the elite teams is that elite quarterback. Yeah. You, if you don't, the, the, the reality is this, if you do not have that difference maker uh, at quarterback, it, it is it is going to be a struggle. You look at the teams, you know, you, you look at the teams that are playing really well, the teams now all of a sudden are talking about uh, playoffs. You look down at Tennessee with what they're doing offensively down there, playing at, at tempo. Their quarterback's going to be in the mix. We know what Ohio State does. I believe we're going to see uh, JJ start to make some strides. They're going to use him more in the run game. Uh, that really is going to, I think, open up that offense for for Michigan. But again, you look at whether it's SC. You look down at Alabama. I mean, they've got the the guy under center who can make all the difference in the world. And I think that's been a little bit of an issue. I think you've got, you know, you have coaches now. Tommy Reese you know, runs the offense over in Notre Dame now. And I'm not saying he didn't run it last year, but uh, Brian Kelly was still there. So mm-hmm. Brian Kelly could have input anytime he wanted to. Right now, it's Tommy Reese making those decisions and those calls. And, and here's, the, here's the other thing. I, Marcus Freeman is going to be, and he is an unbelievable coach right now. He's an elite coach, as assistant coach. It's going to take some time for him to really be able to settle in and run a program like Notre Dame. Because the problem is this. Nobody's ready for that job, right? right. If you, have, you weren't a sitting head coach to begin with, and, and then depending upon where you were, you know, you're not ready to have to deal with what you have to do with uh, as, as far as, you know, uh, whether it's academics, compliance, whether it's fundraising, and, that's the biggest challenge. And I think one of the challenges Marcus has had to this point is he's had to learn how to say no. No, yeah. can't do that. No, can't do that. I got to focus on this. And it's a learning process. And I think they're going to be fine. I think they're going to definitely have a chance um, to win a national title. You look at the recruiting. Oh, he's, he's killing it on recruiting. Yeah, he's killing it. And, and they're going to continue to do that. I don't expect them all of a sudden you know, because of what happened this season, all of a sudden start losing recruits. I think they, they've got an unbelievable staff. Maybe you have to continue to tweak staffs as you as you go back and evaluate. But I think it's absolutely, he's the, 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 <laughs> the sky's the limit for where he can take uh, Notre Dame football. Because you, you I go back and I grew up during the Lou Holtz era, and he was getting players from everywhere. Right. You know, he was able to get all the best players, whoever he wanted, he was able to go get. And, and it looks like Marcus is is on that on that mission as well to be able to get the players that he needs. And a big part of it is going to be, you know, the quarterback. And they've got to get that difference maker 
uh, at that position. They have one. Lloyd Carr's grandson's committed to him, I think, in the 2024 class. 20, class. So, you know, he's he's going to get that, that guy he needs. He just has to continue to recruit at a high level. Howard, appreciate it, man. Let's We're going to hook up again a little bit later on this week, talk about the upcoming games. Big game here in this state is Michigan, Michigan yeah. State. So, yeah, I want to get the outside perspective because, I trust me, I hear it every I know. day. Every day. You be, have, I think it'll be sneaky good. I think, um, you know, in this kind of a game, we'll talk about it you know, later in the week, but this kind of game, Michigan State always comes to play. You kind of throw their record out. But you throw that point spread weeks. out, too. Throw that point spread out. Don't mean, I tell people, you can go ahead and do that if you want, but, yeah, every game... Except yeah. for 2019, mm-hmm. either Michigan State's won or yeah. it's been close. So yeah. it's going to be a game. So I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be fun one to watch. All right. For Howard Griffith, Rico Beard, thanks for listening to the Five Star Zone. Thanks for watching it. Make sure you continue to subscribe. Tell your friends. We'll be back later on this week.